1: Good morning to you. Welcome into the action line from WGNS. This morning we're going to be focusing on Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue. The Chief Mark Foulkes is with us this morning. Mark, good morning to you.
2: Good morning, Bart. How are you this morning?
1: Doing great. Good to have you with us today.
2: Good to be here, and it's a beautiful day outside.
1: Uh, much different from what it was a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I look outside and it's sunny out there and starting to see a few uh, dandelions pop up and things like that. A few weeks ago it was cold and uh, snow and ice and all of that. Uh, thank you to all of the emergency responders. I mean, this town really pulled together.
2: Yeah, we sure did, and uh, you know it was kind of an unprecedented time frame. You know, all the county uh, offices, all the city offices, and a lot of businesses were closed for an entire week. Um, we had eight days of temperatures that never went above freezing, and uh, and all that. But there, you know, our police department, sheriff's office, emergency medical services, uh, Rutherford County emergency medical services, Murfreesboro Fire Rescue, and uh, were there the whole time doing it, and I especially want to give a shout-out because not a lot of people think of them working uh, and doing that, but our Murfreesboro Public Works Department, um, they did a phenomenal job of getting the major roadways clear for us and uh, making them passable and uh, you know and kind of slowing down some of the vehicle accidents that were happening and uh, and I just want to shout out to the community as well because you know they did a great job of staying off the road and staying home and and keeping safe and, and even in doing so uh, believe it or not in eight days of below freezing weather we didn't have a single structure fire during that time in Murfreesboro and so that, that is a great thing and I really appreciate everybody at home for practicing good safety measures with heating and and everything else that they were having to do to, at home to stay warm uh, but our essential service employees were phenomenal during this entire event and you know even though a lot of other employees were home uh, that worked for the government um, all of those employees working for emergency services and the public works department were at work every single day um, you know trying to provide for the community and making sure that everybody would remain safe
1: you brought jeff wright with you today jeff heads up the emergency services Uh, the EMS program with the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Department. Jeff, good morning to you. Good morning. Good to have you with us today.
3: I appreciate you letting me come in.
1: Tell us a little about uh, your division and what you do here in the
3: community. Okay, the division I'm responsible for is, like you said, the emergency medical services, and we're uh, responding along with Rutherford EMS as far as any kind of medical responses that are done inside the city limits at this time. Uh, we've got 14 frontline apparatus, and we run a minimum staffing on those apparatus of, of at least an advanced emergency medical technician. Some of our apparatus are staffed with paramedics, so uh, we are able to offer that ALS service as well. So. Uh, Stay pretty busy Uh, Probably around 80% of the responses we do Is medical related stuff Whether it be a medical emergency A motor vehicle accident or something like that So uh, pretty busy division of the department
1: Well I noticed that a lot of times people say "Well, Why do you bring that big fire truck to the wrecks I've noticed most of the time That's not always a big fire truck It's sometimes an emergency medical services truck and I'm guessing it's loaded with all sorts of tools.
3: Right. We we have three heavy rescues that service the entire city, so we uh, do intermix those in our response as well with our uh, pumpers and ladder trucks and things like that. So uh, I know a lot of times we get questioned about why the big red truck comes on a medical response. You know, we are not in the transport side of that, but our personnel are trained just like the folks that are riding your EMS units. So uh, by us being able to get there early, we can uh, – Uh, Get that care started early on, you know, because uh, during a heart attack and things like that, certain measures that are taken really make a difference in the outcome for the patient. So that's what we really strive to do is to get out and be able to get there early on and get that care started.
1: I guess also you don't really know what you need until you get there. Uh, We've all heard about the jaws of life if somebody's trapped in a vehicle, but there are other tools that you have that we may, may not be that familiar with.
3: What, that, what's in the big truck? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we, we carry all kinds of medical equipment. Uh, we, we're kind of like a our medical bags or an ambulance on our back, basically, is what we carry in. Uh, we have a cardiac monitors we carry in. Uh, those can work as a defibrillator. We can do a 4-lead or a 12-lead for somebody experiencing a cardiac emergency and things like that. So we can initiate that care early on. Uh, We can attain a 12 lead, and we can actually transmit that information over to St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital for somebody that is having a cardiac event. That way they can see exactly what's going on as the first response starts, and then by the time the patient makes it to the destination of the hospital, they can do a comparison to see looking at any changes or anything like that can be made. Uh, We carry medicines and things like that that we can help with diabetic emergencies. We've got aspirin and nitro and different things like that that we do carry in those bags, and we initiate that care, and then uh, the continuation from when Rutherford EMS gets there to the patient makes it to the destination at the hospital.
1: Mark, this goes back to a conversation we had. This is the emergency TV show all in real life.
2: <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, and we and we had a, uh, you know, and, and this program's not new. You know, we still get asked a lot of questions about fire trucks and why we respond. And, and the biggest reason that we respond is, You know, there's when we have our ISO rating of a class one, part of that is being able to get to the scene of any structure in our city very quickly. And so all of our stations are basically right around two and a half miles. They have about two and a half mile territory so that we can get there within three to four minutes of the time that we start responding or less. Uh, in a lot of cases and so we're, our stations are very strategically located we have 11 of them and then when those 14 apparatus that are at those stations respond out we've got a very rapid response time because we're we're placed all throughout the city uh, to make sure that we get there quickly and so it really is like the emergency TV show we're carrying the we're carrying the initial medications we're carrying the cardiac monitors we can do anything uh, our personnel can do most anything that the ambulance can do in almost all cases especially on that initial care that makes a huge difference and And those initial things, especially with heart attacks, with strokes, with diabetic emergencies, uh, with somebody, you know, unfortunately our community has been experiencing a lot of overdoses um, in the last two to three years uh, with fentanyl and some of the other medications that are out there. Uh, Those are immediate differences that we make that are life-threatening to the patient that are immediately, you know, we're bringing them out of that life-threatening area and getting them to where they're breathing again and where, um, those kind of things, but even on when someone's having chest pain, uh, we were always taught in paramedic school that if someone's having chest pain, every minute uh, or every second that they're having chest pain, that means they're losing cardiac tissue. Uh, that that is, it's causing that cardiac tissue to die. That chest pain is, and that's why we always implore everyone if you start having chest pain, especially if it's related with other symptoms like arm pain or sweatiness or pale, and you know, you kind of your, your skin gets kind of clammy and all those kind of things. For sure, call an ambulance immediately because you're having a cardiac event, and those events can really alter your life. And, and even if it doesn't necessarily save your life, if, even if you wouldn't have perhaps passed away from it, it can mean a huge difference in cardiac um, or, or in your outcomes and, and your quality of life because of cardiac compromise. Uh, you could live your entire life with congestive heart failure or other things like that just from not having those treatments on board very quickly. And so it, it makes a huge difference.
1: One thing we need to really get across is, and, and I talked to a friend about this the other day, and they were very much uh, in one way of thinking, and that was, well... I'll just take my husband on over to the emergency room. We're not that far away. And I said, no, you should call 911 because the emergency room comes to you. Exactly. And uh, they never would see it that way. So tell us why people should... Call 911 and try, instead of trying to take them to the ER yourself.
2: Well, one, in in certain situations like that, even the person getting up could cause, you know, further issues. If they're having respiratory distress or they're having cardiac, they're having chest pain, even the act of them getting up and going to the vehicle can cause more damage because it's creating more of a cardiac load or more of a load on their lungs. So it's really imperative that they that they stay still and rest. Um, and do what our 911 operators are encouraging them to do. You will get pre-arrival instructions. You know, if you have baby aspirin or aspirin in your home, they're probably going to advise you to take that uh, unless it's, contra- you know, unless there's some reason that you shouldn't, allergies or otherwise. But they're going to really kind of give you direction on that. But as Jeff mentioned, you know, we're really bringing pretty much the emergency room to your house. We've got, we can make a definitive difference uh, along with Rutherford County MS and the care that you receive. Um, immediately uh, before you ever even get up out of your chair per se to go to the car And, and that can happen very very quickly because our stations are located so close You know, our dispatch times are are getting better and better as we go, and so, and you're getting that instruction out there from your emergency medical dispatcher that is on the phone with you. Uh, It just makes a huge difference to go ahead and initiate that response than it would just to drive yourself to the hospital. And plus, you know, and and everybody graps about traffic in Murfreesboro, you never can tell when you, what you think is a four minute trip is going to become a 10 or 15 minute trip and and then you really are in trouble as far as the event that are going on
1: that's right i hadn't even thought about that because you have the sirens and the emergency lights and you can get through that traffic situation somebody else won't be able to exactly now tell us uh, we hear a lot about strokes uh tell us the difference in strokes heart attacks Uh, i know they're all in the same family to a degree but uh what is whats what 's the importance of getting to the hospital with either one of those
2: quickly? Well, the big thing about the, the stroke is pretty much an injury to the brain where, where a heart attack's an injury to the heart or the muscle, the tissue, in the heart and and, and there 's two types of strokes there can be you can have a what we call a thrombus stroke or a clot. Uh, that forms in your brain and occludes blood flow to that area of your brain. Or you can have a, a brain bleed, uh, a, kind of a, we call them wet strokes. Um, those, are, those are more difficult for us to treat in the field because we really, it limits the amount of medication that we can give. And if we're seeing signs of those, you know, it really makes a, that's why it's imperative to get to the hospital quickly and, and make sure that you call 911 because oxygen helps. Um, it can constrict those blood vessels to, to eliminate, Um, the amount of bleeding that's going on in those situations, you know, we can give, uh, you know, we're checking blood pressures and making sure that your, uh, you know, hypertension is a huge thing with strokes and having strokes. And so we're making sure that we're giving, we're keeping your blood pressure within bounds and we've got medications that can help with that as well. And so there's, you know, there's various things that we can do and that's why it's important to call 911 to get there. But it's also important for us to get you to the hospital rapidly because Having that C T scan of your brain and determining whether this is a, a clot based stroke or a, a bleed based stroke is the most imperative thing within that. And it needs to happen, you know, very, very quickly within within just a few minutes um, of having those type of symptoms, you definitely want to be in the hospital having that car that that CAT scan. And the and the same thing goes for, for cardiac related chest pain. You know, Jeff mentioned that we can put a twelve lead on and identify Immediately, just like the same thing that they do in a cardiologist office or they do in the emergency room, we can do at your house uh, and put you on that, that 12-lead monitor and determine immediately that you're having a heart attack or not um, through that 12-lead. And so when we determine that, that means in some instances, a lot of instances nowadays, um, we started that program back when I was at Knoxville Fire several years ago, where we started doing 12 leads in the field like that. And then we saw patients not even going to the emergency room, they went straight to the cath lab. Uh, and that cath lab is the big differentiator between getting those, those vessels opened up in your heart and, and restoring blood flow there. And so that's, that's the big difference. And both of those is making a huge difference. Time is, time is muscle and time is brain when it comes to those things. And you've really got to, to make sure that you're getting care there immediately. So, call
1: 911. Don't a- even think about taking absolutely. the person to the hospital. Uh, here's a question from a listener on text, and they're asking that with all of the stresses brought on by COVID 19, she said, My husband's been out of a job. We're wondering sometimes where our next meal is coming from, uh, and that's got to put stress on people. Are you seeing an increase in heart attacks and strokes this time?
3: Yeah, there is some of them that are related back to the COVID virus itself. I mean, I know that there's a lot of uh, things that have been broadcast as far as other medical conditions and things that happen uh, in relation to the COVID. Uh, The biggest thing that really we're seeing has been respiratory stuff that we responded on. Uh, We have been very cautious with our response, trying to protect our people as well. Uh, We go in. We do a real quick assessment. You, generally, we send one person in if it is something that's COVID-related when we initially arrive. Uh, if we get there, our crews go in do a real quick assessment, and then they make a determination on whether we need more personnel and exactly what's going on with the patient. Uh, someone in cardiac arrest, obviously, we're going to bring the whole crew in, and we're going to work it normally just like we would if, you know, uh, I know COVID's in the back of everybody's mind, but, I mean, we still have to do our continuation of care. I mean, we cannot let that dictate what we provide as far as patient care goes. So, uh, But, yeah, we, we we have seen, you know, some cardiac and different things related to that as well. And, Bart, the other thing that we're seeing a lot of, and, and it's unfortunate
2: because and it's kind of twofold, um, when she mentioned, you know, they're out of work and they don't may not have medical insurance any longer and those kind of things, we're seeing people that are foregoing getting medical care when they probably should um, because they're fearful of, you know, the bills that are going to come behind that and having to pay the bills and, and all those kind of things is, is one thing that's happening. The other thing that's happening is people have a fear that if they go to the hospital, they're going to contract COVID there. And so they're delaying medical care on things that they should get addressed or taken care of just because of the fear of getting covid and you know and with with number one um our hospitals pretty much any hospital has instances where they've got charity care programs to where they're going to work with you on the billing or they're going to write a lot of those things off if you don't have insurance and you're out of work i mean all of those things are in place uh, especially with our local hospital here st thomas they do a fantastic job of that um so people understand that, and we don't want anybody to forego getting medical care because they can't pay a bill, um, and that's just something that you should not do because you know, it, it's, it could result in you losing your life just over not being able to pay a, a medical bill in some of those situations and circumstances. And on the, on the other side of the fear of COVID, um, all of our personnel, all of Earth for County EMS's personnel, all the hospital personnel are are established safe practices all the time with what we're doing. Uh, the majority of our personnel have been vaccinated. Uh, the majority of the nursing and, and medical staff personnel at the hospitals have been vaccinated, so they're fully vaccinated, and 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 everybody is really being diligent about making sure that we're not doing anything that's going to pass along COVID while we're providing medical care to people. And so on either one of those two regards, we just want people to know, don't don't be fearful of that, you know, go ahead and get the medical care that you're going to need, whether it's visiting your doctor or whether it's, you know, needing to call and go to the hospital. But, but also don't be fearful of, you know, don't not get medical care because of the cost, you know, if you're if you're suffering from the economic impacts of COVID. Uh, we just want to make sure that everybody's safe is the biggest thing.
1: A person's asking if the person passes away before you arrive or while you are there, are they still taken to the hospital?
2: Yes, uh, just about almost just about every time, unless unless there is a situation where the person has been dead um, or passed away for some period of time. You know that that's going to change the, the dynamic of it because and there's signs of that. That may happen, but if, if it's something that, while well, we're there with a person, they go into cardiac arrest and we start to try to revive them, or if they go into cardiac arrest shortly before we arrive, we're going to do everything we can do to revive that person, um, which most of the time means uh, doing everything that we can do on the scene for several minutes and then transporting the person to the hospital.
1: So obviously that person must have been through that, uh, which I, I can't imagine, That would have just a horrible feeling of going through that situation. Yes. Our phone number, 615-893-1450. We're going to pause, check on the traffic and weather, and then we'll be back and continue the conversation. Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Foulkes is with us this morning, along with the Director of the Emergency Medical Services, Jeff Wright. Our phone number, 615-893-1450. We'll be right back. weekday mornings at 7:50 for swap and shop
0: wtns am fm and online this is peter demas with demas family of restaurants when it's getting cold outside and you don't want to really get out of your car Demas's has now started a curbside service so you can order online put your make and model of your car into the website and when the food is ready we will bring it out to your car and therefore you can still be in your pajamas and come and get lunch and go back to your home if you want to Curbside service—it's just another level of service of which we are trying to provide the residents of Murfreesboro. Visit us online at DemusRestaurants.com.
4: Come by our store, Music World and Drummer's Den. We're a full-line music instrument store with well over 5,000 square feet packed with great instruments in every category. In guitars, we're your local dealer for the two top acoustic guitar brands in the world: Martin and Taylor. We've got the best selection and prices anywhere in the state of Tennessee on these. This is Dave Kippen and me at Music World and Drummer's Den in Murfreesboro, 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Family Staffing Solutions is proud of our local veterans. I'm Becky Bookner, and as life challenges appear, talk with Family Staffing Solutions about how we can help you stay at home. Call Family Staffing Solutions. Family Staffing Solutions.
1: We're talking with Glenn King, a World War II veteran.
4: I dropped out of high school and joined the Marines. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. When I came back to the States, I was stationed in the Marine barracks in Washington, D.C. We were assigned to the White House, and we did a lot of traveling with President Truman.
1: Did you have interactions with President Truman back then?
4: Yes. When President Roosevelt was president, he found out that there was a CCC camp 80 miles west of Washington.
1: You said the CCC. What is that?
4: Civilian Conservation Corps. It was on top of a mountain in Thurmont, Maryland. He commandeered the CCC camp for his rest camp, and Roosevelt named it Shangri-La. President Truman had the presidential party up there. We all would eat uh, three meals a day in the CCC mess hall. In the mess hall down the middle was a great big curtain. President's party was on one side, and the Marine Detachment was on the other side, and every once in a while... President Truman would come and swing that curtain back, sit down and talk to us. And what he would say is, Son, what state are you from? When they mentioned the state, Oh, I know your senator real well, real well. When President Truman took the reins, he renamed what Roosevelt called Camp Shangri La. The new name was Camp David. This has been a salute to veterans. Have you experienced the nightmare of water,
1: mold, or fire damage? Call Restoration One for a free estimate. Locally and veteran-owned. Fast and available 24-7. Join the Home Health VIP program at Restoration One for disaster prevention. Restoration One, the water damage experts.
4: I'm Dr. O, and I welcome you to meet our compassionate team at Almaville Farms Family Dentistry. Come check out our new patient special. We're located just off of I-24 on Almaville Road. Almaville Farms Family Dentistry. Come fill the Almaville Farms difference.
2: Skies become mostly sunny here this afternoon with high in the mid-60s. Winds out of the northeast of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear and alone near 35. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujicic on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 36.
1: The weather on WGNS brought to you from the Window Broadcast Center. The Willow Window Broadcast Center. That's right, Willow Window. Making your home beautiful again. With the replacement windows you need, the replacement doors and decks, check it out online at willowwindow.pro.
0: We are News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at wgnsradio.com.
1: Welcome back. We are having fun this morning. Our phone number, 615-893-1450. 615-893-1450. We're talking with Mark Fox, the chief of the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue. Along with Mark is Emergency Medical Services Director Jeff Wright from Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue. Our phone number again, 615 893 1450-615-893-1450. If you have a question, the number to uh, text six one five eight nine three fourteen fifty. 615-893-1450. Obviously, you can also call that number and do the old-fashioned way, and that's talk to us. <laughs> uh, we need to do more of that. Put those texting devices away, and let's just talk to each other. 615-893-1450. Uh, Let's look at some more of the things that have been challenging the Fire and Rescue Department during this COVID-19. I know that, uh, Jeff, as you were telling us, you had to make a decision before you go into each place. How many people do you need to put into that uh, location? Uh, how, How do you make that determination
3: a lot of it's based off of what we get information from the dispatch as we are being sent on these calls. Uh, if it comes in as somebody impossible cardiac arrest or something, a lot of times we will send the full crew in initially. Uh, what we really encouraged our crews to do during these responses is we send one person in that's going to go in and do a real quick patient assessment and uh, the assessment that person conducts really deems whether we send a full crew in if they're needed for care purposes or if it's something that one person can handle until uh, Rutherford EMS gets there for the actual Transfer of care and the patient being transported into the hospital. So that that's precautionary that we've tried to take, you know, to keep our personnel safe and to keep the public safe that we're responding to as well. Because uh, I know that we fielded a few questions, people kind of concerned about places that we've been bringing this into their homes on something that may not be related with COVID. So uh, I mean, we take all the precautions we can for our personnel. We have all the proper PPE and things like that that they wear inside these, and you know, when that stuff is. It's done and you know once it's the call's over with i mean we actually have to dispose of that in a proper manner so uh, we don't reuse this stuff so uh, that kind of keeps the risk down too but that's been some of the questions that we've actually had to answer so
1: Uh, a listener has just texted us a question which pretty interesting question i'd not really thought about they said that when they go into a business or a restaurant or something of that sort, they wonder how clean are things. And as your professional advice, well, what are you looking for? What If you went into a place, you looked around, what would let you know this is pretty clean and, and I think I'm okay here?
3: A lot of things that you see now that you really didn't see in the past is cleaning supplies and stuff being visible that's out there. I mean, there's a lot of hand sanitation stations that are put in as soon as you come in. Uh, You'll notice the employees and things like that using those on a regular basis as well. Uh, I know there's a lot of different means, and they have companies come in and actually do disinfectant for them at the end of their days, and they do stuff during the day as well, too. And that's one thing that I've really seen when we go into some of the businesses, restaurants and things like that, is actually... So that cleaning stuff that's really visible that you used to not see at all. So uh, I think that they're trying to take all the appropriate measures as well to protect everybody. Do you sort of see that
1: also when you walk into houses, for example?
3: sometimes yeah uh most of the time our crews you know they go in and they're kind of focused on what's going on but uh that is kind of more common stuff that you see i know it is at my house i mean we've got hand sanitizer and things and i've got uh, a couple of daughters and i've got my youngest daughter she she believes in that stuff pretty religiously i mean she every time you turn around she's spraying some in her hand and you know i kind of caution her about using it too much so but i think they instill that in the kids at school too i mean i think that they're really pushing the cleanliness and and things like that at school and that comes on with them
1: it just gets to be part of
3: it the does. way you act it does uh, here's another question this
1: one is from a person wanting to go back uh, and ask a question about the days that we had the ice and things they said they saw on tv a lot of the big trucks just sliding down the roads sideways not moving uh, on their own motion they're just sliding in the ice did you have problems with that with fire trucks
2: no uh, fortunately we did not you know and, and it's and it's very hard for us to drive those trucks as well i mean they're they're big trucks and and they will slide around on us and stuff as well um, most of our folks don't you don't ever see them because um, they're way tucked up under the truck but we have uh, we have what we call automatic tire chains on our trucks and so you know and when i came up through the fire service in the 90s you were uh, you got up in the middle of the night if it snow happened and, and and you put the tire chains on the trucks and you know, you basically uh, had to elevate the wheels on the trucks and get the tire chains on the trucks manually. But now we have the ability to, there's some automatic tire chains, and it's a little wheel that sets up underneath the truck that's got little sections. It's got about eight sections of chain on it that are wide enough to go across both dual tires. And, and that little wheel comes down, and it spins across the inside tire, and it actually slings chain out in front of where you're driving. And, and the good thing about that is, is you know, those big trucks on, on some of the cable chains and the other chains, if you're, you'll are you have main roads, it'll be clear, especially in the days following the snow. And then you'll go into a subdivision that'll be just a, a sheet of ice or a lot of snow still in, in the area. Those things give us the ability to deploy those while we're actually driving. And so if we're on a main road that's fairly clear, we can drive without the chains, and then we can actually deploy those things and drive into neighborhoods uh, and be safe about it. And it gives us a whole lot better traction and a whole lot better control of the truck having those automated tire chains. And and they they really make a huge difference. Um, We've we've got very well-trained drivers. We train every single year. on emergency vehicle operations, driving through cones and and making sure that they handle those trucks very well. We've got an extensive process before someone can start driving one of our apparatus. It's not we just don't throw a new firefighter in the truck and say, hey, you're going to be driving. There is a there is a lot, a lot of training that goes on with that. I would say in total it's, it's probably encompassing about 100 hours of training before you're even signed off uh, to be allowed to drive our trucks. And so, you know, our, our drivers are very experienced. They do a great job. And, and during this entire event that we had over those seven to eight days of, of having that much snow and ice, we didn't have one single event where we had a truck slide off the road or go into a ditch or, uh, you know, or hit anything, uh, mailbox or anything else or another car. And so uh, that was very good that we had that. You know, we we made sure that we uh, uh, we did practice safety during all of that. And, and like I said, our public works department did a phenomenal job of keeping our main roads clear, which helped us get out there and, and get to where we need to get to more quickly and uh, and, and respond more quickly. But also it eliminates those those motor vehicle accidents from happening. you know that were happening with cars and other vehicles being out on the road it helped with that as well
1: well just like uh, vehicles and trucks slide down the road when it's icy out there so do people oh yes they sure (laughs) do have many calls from pedestrians slipping and sliding
2: yeah we had a few and and now with uh you know back in the day i guess you could kind of hide it when you fell and and didn't do stuff but now with doorbell cameras and other cameras you know we saw several instances on the news of people falling and and getting hurt we had a few we had a few during that time frame of people falling and getting hurt uh, from from doing that and you know sometimes as much as you can try to prevent that if you've got pure ice you know you're just going to lose your balance and sometimes fall and I don't think we had anyone that was very that was seriously seriously injured with some bumps and bruises and maybe a, a sprained wrist or something like that I'm not sure that we even had anybody with a broken bone during that situation so that was good um, but, but like I said you know now we're seeing a lot more on TV of the videos of people falling and And those kind of things in in parking lots and outside of stores and even on their own homes uh, where they're falling down their steps or otherwise just because the ice is there and you really don't know it's there.
1: Now, back to the paramedic side of both of you with your training. Uh, Tell us why when people get older, they're more concerned about falling. Are their bones more brittle and break more easily or, or what is the problem?
3: yeah as as you age i mean and that's starts i'm not sure when you actually start to see a decline but as you do age you know the bones do become more brittle you know the osteoarthritis and different things like that actually kick in you know some folks may have some issues as far as being able to uh, be ambulatory and things like that they're having to use walkers and things like that so you know from the falls that's one of the big concerns that we have so uh, our crews, when we do go out, I mean, you have to do that assessment as far as what that patient does complain of. I mean, if they've got leg pain, obviously you're going to have to expose that leg, and we're looking to make sure we don't see anything as far as uh, misalignment. You know, while the bones seem to be in line, they still have good movement and sensation and pulses and things like that that will be present in the extremities and things. So, But that that is a concern as you do age. I mean, the bones do become more brittle.
1: So when you're out there falling on ice and things, there's some new things to be thinking about
3: most definitely yeah
1: and,
2: and the other third part of, part of that is and of course as you it, just like i'm getting older now too and i experience this much you just don't heal as fast as you do whenever you're younger and i mean and it, and it just takes a lot longer to heal up and and your body to recover from those kind of things and that's just one of the unfortunate things about getting older your body has kind of got some wear and tear on it your you know your your joints uh, you know all the cartilage in your joints has kind of been uh, a little bit worn out over time from use and stuff like that and you just do not heal as fast and so it, we we just ask people to be very careful
1: so when you're uh, encouraged to stay inside there's a reason for absolutely that. all right uh, speaking of uh, learning how to do things better and what have you each time we go through events like we did all of this snow and ice uh, you're bound to be uh, as as far as paramedics and emergency responders you are exposed to new things that maybe you hadn't thought of before. Does this lead to additional training, and wh- where do you put the training? How do you get
3: that? Yeah, we, we'll look at things like that that do occur during these type of events. Uh, we, we go and we'll run reports and things like that, and we have crews that report back to us things that they've seen or things that they ran up on during an incident, you know, like what we just had. Uh, If we have something as far as people that fall outside and stuff, you know, another big thing, even, you know, the injury itself is the hypothermia and things that can happen. So, I mean, we actually have blankets and things like that on board our apparatus. So, uh, we'll we'll deploy all that stuff when we go out. If we were to have somebody that was down uh, on the ground in the ice and snow and things like that as to where we're trying to conserve some of their body temperature as well as treating any kind of injury that possibly could be present too so uh we we do look at that and we try to make sure that we have everything in place as the weather you know is going to dictate kind of what what kind of response you possibly may be making so
1: and and mark do all divisions of murfreesboro fire and rescue do all of the divisions train at the doug young facility here in town
2: yeah pretty pretty much everything that we do um all of our operations division which is the trucks out on the street they go over and train there we've even done some medical scenarios over there uh to where we use the the tower and you've got the stairs and you know we've got the capabilities of using it for any of those things Uh, our community risk reduction division you know we've got four divisions within the department operations which is the the personnel working on shift primarily that are providing all the services from emergency medical services to suppression to all those but then we have the training division uh, emergency medical services and then we got community risk reduction but All of those divisions are are well involved and integrate together. You know, our personnel and operations are the ones that are performing emergency medical services, but Jeff and his staff do a great job of of doing everything that we need to do to keep up to date on everything that's going on. And and then you you ask about kind of the way we look at things or the procedures that we use at least annually um, and pretty much almost constantly. If we see something new come out uh, that another city or another municipality or county is using um, or science is, you know, they they do a lot of things. Um, they'll do research and science on things that are coming out, new medications or other things like that. But our protocols are reviewed at least annually, and then we do them. You know, we kind of look at those new innovations and new things that are coming out through uh, publications that are out there, through uh, scientific literature that's out there, and then push-outs from, from other organizations that may be doing something new and innovative, and we're looking at adopting, you know, new protocols um, based on those things that keep us up to date with what's happening both here and both, you know, everywhere else and some of those some of those things that, as an example, you know, we, we had never experienced the level we've, we've had Narcan around for a long time, which is the medication that reverses overdoses. Um, but, you know, we've never experienced the level of, you know, when I became a paramedic years and years ago, um, I don't want to say how long ago because it'll age me, but I mean, when I became a paramedic years and years ago, I would have never dreamed that we would be dispensing Narcan to To caregivers or to people that live with people that are prone to have drug overdoses. I, I just thought that that would always be a medication that would be carried by medical professionals that are licensed and those kind of things. And it's, it shows you kind of how we progress and advance as we go through the years on medications and how we administer those and the different medications that we carry and the things that we can do um, has definitely progressed and advanced. And we, we look at all those things all the time. We're uh, we've actually got a couple of protocols or two or three protocols that we're we're pushing out uh, here in the next couple of weeks that are that are meaningful protocol changes based on learning from science and learning from what happens with other organizations and recommendations from either American Heart Association or the American Academy of Pediatrics and all those kind of things are, are where we get all that information and we're consistently making sure that we're We're doing top-notch care on all those levels.
1: Times do change, (laughs) and so do the needs. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're going to check on the traffic and weather, and we'll be back for the final segment. So if you have a question, better get it in quickly.
0: the tallest tower in the city limits of Murfreesboro to every radio in the land, WGNS-AMFM is everywhere you need us to be.
3: Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come see us for all your clothing, footwear, and if you need a special gift for anything, please come and see us for all those needs. And, of course, we always have whatever you need for your home lawn or garden at Rutherford Farmers Co-op. And farmers, we have whatever you need to take care of your farm. Please come see us at Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Hi, this is Tina Fox of the Co-op Farm and Home Center at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church.
1: You can make a meaningful difference in 2021. KidLink Community Services is currently seeking foster parents in your area. KidLink provides free training and certification. Contact KidLink today at 877-714-1313
4: or KidLinkServices.com
0: Good morning. Traffic's still busy, but it's moving here on 24 up through the Hickory Hollow area out of Rutherford County in and through Davidson County and that construction zone up through Hickory Hollow Parkway. Traffic uh, is moving right now, 840 out here up by Sulphur Springs. Watch your speed. We've seen quite a bit of radar. Hey, check out the Andre Chicken Sandwich now available at Princess Hot Chicken. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic.
3: has
2: become mostly sunny here this afternoon with high in the mid 60s winds out of the northeast of 5 to 10 miles per hour tonight mostly clear and alone here 35. i'm meteorologist jennifer wichitski on news radio wgns currently it's 36.
0: if you have an iphone or use an android we have an app for both wgns am and fm is everywhere you need us to be on air and on demand
1: Welcome back. Our number is 615-893-1450. You can talk or text on that one. And here's a person who's obviously been following you on the radio for a while. They said last time you were on, you mentioned, and they said we were in the other room and didn't hear it all something about uh, needing more than one smoke detector in the house and she said i've tried to learn more about that but i just can't find it can you tell us that again
2: yes Um, we recommend that everybody have smoke alarms in each bedroom and then the area right outside of the bedrooms that that's in the home even if you've got a, a home that had maybe a wired in smoke alarm that was wired in several years ago under previous code and you only have one and it may be in the hallway area Uh, we encourage you to put smoke alarms in every bedroom and then in that living area and then you're supposed to have one on each level of the home as well and so you know it's any any area that people are sleeping in or have the potential of sleeping in you know if, if it's a bonus room the or a recreation room to where you commonly take naps in that room we say put a smoke alarm in that room and that way you get immediate notification off of those and and like I've said before, and I was going to even mention that before the show, uh, 893-1422 is our number, uh, 615-893-1422. Call that number. We can put smoke alarms in your home. We have smoke alarms available. Uh, we will install them for you. Uh, and and if you don't live in Murfreesboro, we will steer you in the right direction to get either Rutherford County Fire, Laverne, Smyrna, they all have smoke alarm programs to where we offer free smoke alarms for you to put in your home. But you know, even the wired-in smoke alarms need to be checked. Uh, and if they get over 10 years old, they, they don't work as well. And so we just ask you to check those things and make sure that they are, they are within 10 years of age and that you've got them in every single room.
1: Now, what is it with the 10 years? What goes bad in them?
2: Well, actually, the uh, smoke alarms use a little bit of radiation in them, a little radioisotope in them to kind of sense that smoke. Uh, that's what they use. And over time, that will kind of degrade and it just will not alert you as well on those smoke alarms. And so if they get to where they're a 10-year-old smoke alarm, we just say, you know, it's, it's time to get new smoke alarms. And thankfully, the new, the new smoke alarms that we have that we install and just about everybody is installing now is, and we highly recommend them, they've got 10-year lithium-ion batteries. So the batteries will last right around 10 years, and then they're ready to be replaced. And so um, we just encourage everyone to get 10-year lithium-ion battery smoke alarms Continue to check those just like you would check the batteries, but you don't have to change the batteries. So when it comes to those two times a year where we do time change and we always say, hey, check your batteries and change your batteries and your smoke alarms. If you've got those 10-year batteries, then you don't have to worry about changing them. Uh, they just make everyone safe from them being there. And, uh, and And that's what we install when we install smoke alarms in the home.
1: Here's a listener who says, I live off of Bridge Avenue, and I see the activities all the time at the Doug Young Training Facility, and I hear that you're moving your office there, the administration office. Will you also have a fire unit there?
2: Uh, we will not have a fire unit assigned there our, our we are planning on putting our administrative offices in a in Several training classrooms that would be utilized by both us and the police department The police department will have a couple of offices there that, you know They they've got the headquarters on Highland, but they'll have a couple of offices there for training staff to to be there But we will have all of our administrative offices and all of our divisions located in one building um, again, thankfully and and then we will have a lot of space for training, but we won't really have anyone assigned there because we've got companies that are assigned very close to there already uh, that respond into there uh, like we have for years and so but there's a lot of times that companies will be over there because like that person just mentioned we are Consistently over there training. I mean, it's almost a daily event that we're over there training, even on weekends a lot of times. We've got companies over there doing training activities. It's a fantastic facility for us to have. It's a, it's a state-of-the-art facility. A lot of people are jealous of the facility we have in emergency services. You know, we've hosted several... Uh, regional and national conferences here, from Firehouse Expo to the Southeastern Association of Fire Chiefs, and and when people see our training facility, they're like, "This is unbelievable!" Uh, the capabilities that you have here, and and we still got, um, you know, our initial administration and training building, and we're looking to build some building, another building for the police department to be able to do some training in there, and and those kind of things. But we've still got a little bit left to finish it, but uh, it's a fantastic facility that we're using all the time.
1: Yeah, it must make you feel good because basically this person sounded like well we live there we sure hope you're going to be there uh they're wanting you to be in the neighborhood so in a lot of facilities like that people are saying i really want it but not in my backyard she's asking hey i do want it
2: (laughs) yeah and we try to be very respectful you know I, i we went door to door before we decided to put the training facility there in the neighborhood in the immediate streets around on those blocks uh, the police chief and I at the time decided, hey, we're going to go door to door and just tell people what this is, what we're going to do here and what it's about and, and what we're going to do. And, and, you know, we're not doing anything at, at after hours at night, after bedtime, you know, those kind of things that are going to be making a lot of noise. We try to be very respectful of the neighborhood. You know, we want to be part of the neighborhood uh, and, and we feel like we are. And we'd, uh, we've really enjoyed being there at that site in that facility. And it's just been a, it's its very centrally located for us to be able to pull a lot of our stations in, you know, the trucks from different stations in to, to rotate those around and get training done. And it's just a, it's a state-of-the-art facility that's just an unbelievable facility as far as the capabilities. It has taken our training to the next level. Uh, what we've been able to do and our preparedness and readiness, and we're we're really really proud to be there and and proud to have it named after Doug Young, who was a, our vice mayor and very very supportive of public safety uh, the entire time he was on council. And you know I, the only unfortunate thing for me is coming here in 2015, I didn't get to work with Doug as long as I would like to have. But you know it's uh, it's great that it's named after him because of his support for that, and we're we're happy that we got to name it um, for him before he ever passed away and. And we're proud to carry that name on that facility.
1: And on that note, we want to thank Murfreesboro Fire Chief Mark Foulkes and also the Director of the Emergency Medical Services at the Fire Department, Jeff Wright, for joining us this morning. Stay with us. Truman is next right here on your good neighbor station, WGNS. Murfreesboro, hey, have a great day. Enjoy this beautiful, sunny, almost spring day.